1: what's up everybody we got the dynasty junkies for you here live on thursday night at 9 30 just like we scheduled just like we're supposed to be that never happened but we've got a great guest tonight zach reed is here at tacit assassin 13 zach you want to say hi real quick
2: hey thanks for having me this is this is fantastic it was a little bit of a, a last minute thing but i'm excited to be here on with the junkies on with you and scott like this is i i'm i'm pumped
1: that's right we got the dynasty junkies getting getting all addict tonight we're just getting all addicted to everything it's me and scott <laughs> sidlow on the on the mic tonight rocky's taking the night off how you doing tonight scott
3: oh man i am doing great andrew we've had uh, all sorts of crazy <laughs> weather related things including our guest that was supposed to be on tonight kind of has a little hurricane thing going on so we are super fortunate to uh have zach come help us out man short notice is awesome Somebody yeah. I've been wanting to talk to for a long time. Uh, someone I've followed for a long time. So it's pretty awesome, man. I'm glad to have you here.
1: Yeah, we we uh had a had a guest that had to cancel and and we moved some things around and Zach was nice enough to to kind of scramble and help us out. And I'm I'm right there with Scott. I'm I'm excited to talk to you, Zach. I know I got to meet you at the expo a couple weeks ago that uh Rocky and I don't Scott couldn't go either. And you know, we had some issues with different people not being able to make it and all this, but it was great meeting you. And again, just a pleasure to have you on tonight. So just to kind of recap what we're going to be doing here, on the Junkies, what we've been doing the past few weeks is talking about different positions, kind of getting ready for the season, you know, talking about values, talking about how to you know evaluate players, what are we looking at for the season? Um, Tonight, we're going to be doing the wide receiver. We're going to talk about wide receivers and kind of go through a lot of different strategies with that, talk about the ADP, try to see where things are going to be in a year, try to predict the future, which is always fun and, and never accurate and, and always a good time. Uh, but at the same time, we're, what we're going to try to do is just kind of get you ready for the season with regard to wide receivers and kind of make sure that you're ready to go as much as we are and have a great year. And then at the end, of course, we'll do a find me a trade and kind of walk into some, some leagues where, as Russ always says, I do care about your fantasy team, right? Russ on the trade addicts. And again, as a member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network, the DAP network, if you will, and we will, uh we have to go into that and have to make sure that we bring that up. So, first things first, I know we're talking about wide receivers and and I think the the only way to start this, I guess, and I'll I'll let you sort of lead it off Zach as our as our guest. But what do you do with wide receivers in dynasty? What's kind of your basic philosophy with them and, you know, how do you play wide receivers in dynasty fantasy football?
2: So, this is probably going to be a little bit of a contrarian take because now we have come into this world where everybody is running back centric and everybody is uh, you know, you, you've you got to go out and get McCaffrey. You've got to go out and get uh, Kamara. You've got to go out and get Derrick Henry. That's not how I build my dynasties. And and it's not how I I usually uh, end up in a startup, especially where everything is now super flex, wide receivers get pushed down. Uh, you know, if I'm in the very top end of a draft, maybe I'll, maybe I'll end up with Mahomes or Kyler Murray or one of those quarterbacks. But, but if I'm down uh, in the mid to lower end of, of the first round and and then coming back in the top of the second round, I usually start off with proven and that's the key young wide receivers. So give me Justin Jefferson, give me AJ Brown, give me CD lamb. Uh, I'll, I'll figure out the running backs later. And, and you can do that. I mean, you can go get Mixon and Aaron Jones and Eckler and Javante Williams and Montgomery all after the exactly. fourth round. And, and I, so I can cobble together my running back. And even if you want to get really cute with it, you know, you, you can go and, and take some of the guys who are, are backups that, that aren't really. So somebody like Kareem hunt, who is, is a backup, but has potential to finish as an RB one. So it's, it's not, I don't play zero, zero RB that's taboo. We can't, we can't <laughs> oh, even man, careful. That. Careful. So, so it's it's not a zero RB strategy, but it's a strategy that that looks at the longevity of wide receivers, the fragility of running backs, the 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 short shelf life of running backs, because if you look at the top running backs right now, there are only there's I think Derrick Henry's 27 and you maybe dalvin cook and aaron jones might sneak into the top 12 that are 26 and after that it's all young guys whereas wide receiver give me the deandre hopkins you know the tyree hills those older guys and and if you get somebody at, like a justin jefferson or aj brown or cd lamb now then you have them to build on and build on and build on and interesting and i don't mean to monopolize everything but Peter Howard, uh, and if you're not following, if you're if you're listening to the show and you're not following Peter Howard, you need to do that. He is uh, one of my favorite metrics analysts the, the, he's he's a spreadsheet nerd, uh, and I say that lovingly, but he's yes. done some some interesting research about how predictable positions are. And you know top 12 were about the same between running backs and and wide receivers year to year. But within the top five, we are 80% better at predicting wide receivers, those top five wide receivers. And so I'll take as many of that group as I can get and and then do the rest of my build later. I'll worry about running backs either, you know, later in that draft or like I always kind of talk about, you can you can draft rookie running backs.
1: Yep. They're they're easily fill-inable. Yeah. Yeah.
2: and you and you know when they when they come in, you know they're going to play because they've either got first or second round draft capital. So someone like uh, um, H- Harris this year, and, and and like you're just you're you're like okay, good, great, this is fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's plug and play.
2: Yeah, and so that's the um, that's the way I attack it. And again, it's not the only way to attack it. It may not even be the best way to attack it, but it's the best way for me to attack the position.
1: Yeah, and I'm right there with you. And I think I, I, I have a feeling I know where Scott's going with this. But Scott, as a portfolio player, as someone who plays a bunch of leagues and has a bunch of different things going on where kind of, like, I mean, to kind of reference a recent podcast of the Dummies is uh, players don't matter, right? Like the, the actual player, like John Bosch plays it that way. The player doesn't matter at all. It's it's about values. I guess, Scott, is that pretty much how you play it? Because i I betting it is. If I had to guess.
3: <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Um, you want you want to have some variance, but you don't want to have volatility. And there's too much volatility with running backs. And Great so way to put it. Yep. You there will is find a difference a lot too. Of my yeah. rosters, that I mean, a rebuilding roster, my my best running back might be like Philip Lindsay, just to have someone to start. You know, like literally because I don't I I don't care. Even on my competing rosters, I probably have one running back that you might think is good. <laughs> you know, and I'll figure out that second spot. Um, you know, and I'm loaded up on on all those receivers. And I'm, I'm perfectly willing to take the quote unquote older guys, uh, you know, Allen Robinson and DeAndre Hopkins and Stefan Diggs and they, these guys that people think are old. It's like, I don't know, man. You see how Hopkins plays the game? I think he could play at that level for a few more years. So I'll, I'll figure it out, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely, uh, um, Wide receiver guy and a team, uh big Clemson wide receiver guy, as Russ likes to say.
1: <laughs> yep. Well, and I think the thing that I remember when I when I first got into Dynasty a few years ago is in redraft, running backs are king, right? In redraft, when you're doing your draft, it. it, it no, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying it feels like that's true, and so like right. that that vibe comes off like you can't win unless you got good running backs, which is why they go so early in drafts because they're so scarce and you know they. they there's only so few of them that are workhorses and everything else is split after that. And then the receivers kind of flatten out and you got 40 wide receiver twos. You know what I mean? Like just kind of the nature of the beast in every, any given week. And then of course you've got the, the, when you're switching to dynasty, the idea is, well, wide receivers hold their value better. Right. They're not quite so volatile, like you were just saying, that it's something where it's insulated a little bit from the ups and downs. Whereas, you know, a running back gets injured and somebody else steps up and takes 80 percent of that workload that's on your waivers in dynasty leagues where you're running with 30 bench spots. You know what I mean? Like you can have a guy picked up on dynasty as a running back and play, but that almost never happens with receiver. That The opportunities just don't come up like that for receiver. You know what I mean? So that's the biggest difference that I've always seen.
2: Yeah, I always talk about running back versus receiver with with attacking that backup. As uh, running back is uh, an elevator, and receiver is an escalator. And so, so yes. receiver, if you're on, if you're like the fifth wide receiver, you don't miraculously become the number one when the number one goes down. It shifts up. Whereas running back, because there are so few people at that position, you're it's it's the next man up. And, and again, it's not always that way. Because you see situations where it's not a one-for-one, one, but a lot of times you end up with that elevator up to being an, an RB1 if, if you which is again that's part of the reason why zero RB and anti-fragility and, and that strategy works, especially if you're playing best ball, you know, that oh, yeah. sort of thing. So and and I I love what uh, Scott said about the volatility, and mm-hmm. I don't mean to bring this, make this a running back show, but but the volatility of running backs, it was three years ago we were looking for who's the next Todd Gurley. Now we're looking for who's the next Todd Gurley? Like you know in a negative way. Yeah. yeah. It, it's yeah. it's now it's is it gonna be McCaffrey that falls off? Is it Kamara that falls off? Who is the next guy who is at the top of that peak? And and now all of a sudden is is dust and and that's that's what we're looking for.
1: Well, and volatility and variance. I think that's something we got to hit on too, right? The volatility of the up and down of that position, but then there's there's less variance, right? There could be one of those things where, and here we got our buddy J. Mike chiming in, right? Scott Sidlow uh, doing his thing here. Uh, I feel like it's it's just, it makes too much sense, right? It just makes too much sense. But uh, what we're going into, though, I guess, is, is there is obviously a discussion about receivers that includes running backs, right? You can't really talk about receivers without talking about running backs. I think with running backs, you kind of can. With running backs, you can kind of just talk about running backs and here's what I'm looking for. But with receivers, it's almost always in comparison. And, and to kind of hit on what your point was there too, if Hopkins goes down, the wide receiver two doesn't become the wide receiver one and takes over all of that role. The offense almost always spreads it around, which makes all of them worthless. With running backs, that's not usually how it works. We saw this, or kind of going to see this, I guess, with uh, Travis Etienne. He goes down. Guess what? James Robinson, now, bam, right in the same spot in the rankings, right? Now, uh, J.K. Dobbins gets hurt. Bam, Gus Edwards, right in the same spot. Like, he takes 80 to 90% of that workload and is therefore worth having. If Hopkins goes down, it gets mixed between Kirk. And Green and Isabella maybe and like and then Arnold. No, he's not in. He's not in the Arizona. But like How it just gets meshed said all over. Rondale Moore yet. Rondale Moore. Baby. Totally forgot Rondale Moore. But that's exactly my point. It's so watered down, right? It just makes it tough to know who to take. And in running backs, it's almost like a one for one. Like that elevator ding. We're here. I'm on the floor, right? I'm already up, and it's awesome. It makes it so much simpler. But with receivers, I think too, there's this mentality, and I'm not sure if this is true anymore. But receivers take two or three years to get there. Right. And there's this logic of, well, receivers take longer to acclimate. Uh, There's more to learn. There's more uh, depth chart to get in through and all this. And then therefore, with running backs, it's not that way. Running backs, like you said, hit the ground and you go for the most part. Even Javante Williams this year, Michael Carter, some of those other Trey Sermon. Right. Some of those like second tier running backs could still be wider running back ones by week six. You know what I mean? You clear that the field and you're good to go. Uh, and Shane, I'll, I'll make sure that I put this up because this is worth doing. Shane, chime in and note one year. And I, I don't think that's wrong anymore, right? I do think that there is some value in saying, you know, it's not necessarily a three year window anymore. So I guess uh, before we move on from that topic, <laughs> Zach, what, okay. I, and then again, I, to kinda, they don't hit in one year, they're dead. But I mean, what Shane's do you think about that, right. Zach? Are you on? The, <laughs> <laughs> Shane's always right, but what do you think about that? Is that a general idea?
2: I think we've been spoiled by. Uh, the last couple years where you had DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. And then last year where you had Justin Jefferson come in and, and, you know, blow the, blow the lid off things and, and CD lamb. Like, I think that we have gotten to the point where we are spoiled with those two, those two, you know, groups of, of wide receivers It's still a process. It's still a come in and and give them a minute. I think everyone is bailing on. And and I have advocated for trading Jamar Chase. If you can get uh, somebody like Allen Robinson or uh, Keenan Allen and, you know, something as a sweetener, because I think you can in Dynasty. Everybody is ready to. But I also, on the other side of that coin, think that. He is not going to be given a fair shake because we've already made him a top 12 wide receiver, which is insane to me. Oh, like, I,
1: I, I wrote an article earlier this offseason saying drafting Jamar Chase could ruin your dynasty team, right? Because he's already going as a wide receiver one. And we'll get into some of that ADP talk here. But it's like that seems nuts. I'm right there with you. Like, but what are we doing? It's,
2: it's okay as a, if you're, it's a rookie draft. Like it's okay to draft him as a rookie. And and I I took him, I think, at 102 in a rookie. Yep. It was a totally was, different context. It was not right. a super flex, but so I yep. took him at 102. Like I'm comfortable with that. But in a startup, taking him as wide receiver 12, where you need he's he's your wide receiver one, so you need him to be a wide receiver one. There is a 50% chance that he does not do that
1: that's brutal for a receiver at that stage and, and yeah. so
2: and so to think about you know I, like we we've gotten so and and I've talked about this on the dummies with micro markets but it's a similar phenomenon where we've gotten so plugged in as a community that everybody's on Twitter and it, and 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 value just goes crazy and like I remember it was three three years ago after Carson wentz had his like his rookie season and everyone thought he was going to all of a sudden he was the quarterback one after one half of a season. And that like, that's really indicative of how we operate uh, in dynasty right now is, is we're so quick to just anoint these, these players who haven't played or haven't played much in the top tier because we're so afraid of missing out on that next Justin Jefferson or the next, you know, DK Metcalf or whoever that, we're 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 way way too quick to to put players up and way too quick to, to quit on them
1: yeah i mean we we want to be that guy that got it right you know what i <laughs> mean that's always what it is you want to be the guy that got it wrong scott i'm curious though, how many jamar chase shares do you have across all of your teams
3: so i have one
1: out of 46. that's kind of what i thought that's what i because yeah. this price is just not right you know what i mean no. like the, the price is way too inflated i think i took him and uh i traded for him in one league and it it was it was a it was a John Bosch fog of war you know one of those leagues where it's just you throw it against the wall you see what sticks and i'm like I, i'm having fun with it I'm, I'm just donating money every year it's just fun to be a part of it but uh at the same time i was like you know what let me let me take a flyer on this guy like my team's not contending and i was like i'm right in the middle i got i got traded for Saquon Barkley when he was hurt last year i traded for James Robinson thinking that that was worthless. Oh, and that's come back around. So like all of a sudden now I'm kind of contending. Right. So my head's like, well, maybe I trade away chase. Like you were just saying, like maybe as a contender, I don't want chase. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's, I think he's a terrific receiver and I'm not at all. He is better than I will ever be at this game. Right. Like I'm not trying to say he's a bad player. I just think his value on the market is nuts. And I know Scott, as someone who plays the market, I mean, what, what should I do there? What do you think I should do? If I'm a contender and I have chase, Am I keeping or am I selling? Well, unfortunately, I guess
3: for his value, um, people are, way, as always, you know, you react to what you have in front of you, right? And I mean, most people overreact. And so, like, uh, I just pulled up this trade because it blew my mind the other day. But somebody who just drafted Chase, like, what, a month ago? Maybe two months ago? I don't know when this draft was, like, June maybe? Just traded Chase for Chennault, Evan Ingram, and a third. It's like you just took this guy with like what a top five pick and then you just trip. I mean
1: you know so I but he dropped those three passes. He's he's terrible now. Yeah, he does, right? So
3: I it's almost like you just you have to play it almost day by day, week by week. (laughs) So like I would I would maybe hang in there, see maybe he gets like uh couple touchdowns you see you see the jersey follow.
1: right that that's one you know. guy right you know what yeah. i'm saying like yeah. i don't mind holding on to chase i think that you're hitting on something we hit on a lot on this show is timing is everything right i talked over this with shane and, and jeremy when they were on and trading for chase right now is probably as good as you're going to get for a couple of months i think yeah um yeah. and i'm not going to say for a couple of years i think his value is dipping a little now because of this preseason buzz but i i'm right there with you there's no reason to trade him away now i'm not going to sell him at a discount i mean that I'm not going to put that person on blast, but I would not have made that trade for Chenault and Ingram in a third. That seems a little light. Um, But at the same time, I mean, if you're if you're done, you're done. Right. And if you want out, you get out. And every league is different. Every market is different. Sometimes that's the best you can pull off. Right. And so I think a lot of times this gets overlooked on Twitter when we're we're voting on polls and everybody's like, oh, that's a terrible trade. I mean, you don't know all the context. Like how many times do we just look at this in a vacuum and say, well, in a vacuum, it's a terrible trade. But did you know it's a salary contract league and it's a start 12 and it's an eight team league. And like, I just needed depth depth. Who knows what all the context is. Right. So I, I'm not just to be clear, I'm not trading away chase yet. I do feel like he's got some room to grow, but man, that's, that's one of those things that receiver can be. It can be a really insulated value and be a really easy way to kind of hold your value, but it can be risky too. Right. And I think that's something that, that maybe I'm glad that we're hitting on that because there are definitely some players that one that are the next Justin Jefferson. I don't think that's true. Justin Jefferson wasn't the next Justin Jefferson. You know, last year this time, nobody knew who he was. He was going in like the second round of some rookie drafts. And everybody was like, you know, 202, I got Justin Jefferson, I guess. Like, I don't know. Maybe he'll be something. Maybe he'll be the next Stefan Diggs. And then he goes out and dominates. And now all of a sudden, everybody's like, yeah, I called it. I knew it. It was going to be great. Took him at 202. Got a great deal. Like, come on, man. Like, nobody predicted that. I have so much just. I have
2: 86% Justin Jefferson. Like oh, hang was, on. because 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 he was going in the second round, yep, and I was right. taking him at like one eleven, you know, 110. And and the same thing happened the year before with AJ Brown, where AJ Brown was going yep. like oh, yeah. 109, 110, and I'm like, those are those were my those are my guys. Like well, that's exactly the type of wide receiver that I love, the guys who can beat zone <laughs> and, and then do more.
1: Well, and that's actually a perfect segue into the next thing I wanted to bring up. And and just I don't know if I even put this on the sheet, but it's definitely something I wanted to talk about was talent versus opportunity. Right. And in wide receiver, I think it matters a lot more. The talent matters a lot more than the opportunity and running back. I would almost argue the opposite. Yes, talent matters. I'm not going to say it doesn't. But if you don't have the opportunity, if you don't get the bulk of the carries as a running back, it doesn't matter if you're talented. With receiver, talent rises to the top. And so I think maybe, again, that's that's exactly what we're seeing with Justin Jefferson and A.J. Brown. Both of those guys, immensely talented, but went to opportunities where they weren't sure, right? If you remember, A.J. Brown went to – I think Mariota was still the starter when he was drafted, right? Okay. Like they didn't – Tannehill wasn't really anybody. He was just coming from Miami. Who knows what he's going to do? Like, we don't trust this guy. A.J. Brown's – oh, poor guy. He's buried. He's never going to get a chance. And then he blows up. And Jefferson goes to a running team on the Vikings where they weren't passing the ball very much. And Diggs won it out. It was like a, an offense in turmoil – and he blows up because talent wins, and so I think that's something that when you're talking about wide receivers, I think that's worth mentioning. Is that you got to look for that talent. With that in mind, what rookies, I guess, are the talent that we should be pay, like picking out? I guess Scott, maybe let me let me start with you because it's been a minute. What would be what would you say is like your your best value rookie out of this class, not counting Chase, you know? But like, what's someone like that, Rashad Bateman, Rondale Moore, like Elijah Moore? Like, what are, what are those guys that you think talent is significantly better than their opportunity that we should be looking for?
3: Well, I could tell you that I know a guy who had Rondale Moore as his number one wide receiver uh, pre-combine, I believe. I don't know if it if it stayed after that. But uh, <laughs> yes, Rondale Moore was a guy. I watch a lot of Big Ten football, and I know he was hurt a lot. But when he wasn't, oh, man. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, Rondale. I mean, I find myself with. So what happens is I, I want to vary my shares somewhat over my leagues, right? But then mm-hmm. I, I kind of get into like this, well, but at this value, why not, right? And so I a lot of these second round picks are ending up as Bateman and Rondale Moore. I have those two more than uh, I, th- I think I have more Bateman than any other player at this point.
1: So, uh, is he kind of the guy that was. you're putting your, your chips on and saying he's the guy that's got more I talent? Mean, I guess just because,
3: you know, I'm not having to take him at five or eight or 11. You know, I'm getting it like I got him in the, uh, the mid second in the last two rookie yep. drafts I had, like 205 and 206. It's like at that point, okay. I mean, he's he's he could be as good as any one of these guys. You know what I mean? Like, yeah,
1: yeah.
3: or he could be nothing, but hey, I didn't, I didn't use the 105 on him. So, yeah. uh, it, it's just opportunity cost, I suppose.
1: Um uh, but yeah, ultimately but, what it always comes down to, right? Is like it. what is it, what does it cost to get him? That that changes everything, right? And Zach, right. I guess are you on that same page with, with Moore?
2: Yeah, so I, I'm in a league with Peter Howard, and we got to the second round, and he had a pick, two picks in front of me. I love this story. And he <laughs> took Rondell Moore and then immediately went to Twitter and said, You know, Zach, you don't love Rondell Moore because you didn't take him. I took him to which I responded well, here's my 2022 first, you know, are, are you going to put up, uh, you know, cause here, here's my money. Uh, and, and he just uh, rejected the trade. He wouldn't do it. He was a
1: coward. He do it.
2: Peter Howard <laughs> rhymes with coward. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's where we ended up. But yeah, no, I, I love Rondell more. The landing spot again is a little tough, but it's one of those things with receivers that the It'll talent out. wins out. And again, Everybody else is going to panic. Everybody else is not going to have patience and I will have patience and I will have probably more Rondell Moore heading into next off season where I can trade like a, a 22 second and then a piece in the next draft and get Rondell Moore. And I won't even have to have spent my, my 22 first because I don't believe he'll blow up this year. I think he'll be good. I think you're going to see flashes this year, but I think there's going to be a little bit of a, a growth both both in Rondell Moore uh, acclimating to the NFL, but also in that Kingsbury offense acclimating to what you can do with Rondell Moore because there's so much. He's not just a guy that you can scheme jet sweeps for. He's a player that you can get out in space in in the flat. He's a, a player that you can uh, run those little like West Welker cross mm-hmm. and and get him where he's being chased by a linebacker on a mismatch and all of a sudden he's got, you know, 15 yards of space in front of him. Like those are the types of plays that I'm really excited about Rondell Moore going forward and I think that eventually you're going to see him drive. He's good enough, he's going to drive volume and that's going to be exciting.
1: Well, and I think there's something I know we talked about, I think we talked about this in the quarterback episode too where there is a chance that Kingsbury's not there after this year. Right. Yeah. And this is something I think that we, we we see a lot more when 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 regarding wide receivers, because sometimes it takes a couple of years and their values insulated and they generally have a longer career and all this, that one head coaching change could make their entire value double, right? Yeah. With running backs, it's not usually that much of a difference. You're you're getting the opportunity. So whether they change coaches or not, you're the best running back on the roster. You're going to get the ball, right? Or an injury happens and you rise up. But like with the, with the Bateman, and I think more even is the same thing. Like with the Bateman who's with Baltimore, it's like, well, that team is most likely going to be running the ball. They're still going to be running. That's who they are. But if they go four and 13 or some crazy thing happens where Lamar Jackson gets hurt, heaven forbid, right? And they have to change their scheme. Bateman could come in and become a beast, right? We see it all the time with receivers because it's more of a scheme fit. It's like a puzzle piece as opposed to just you're the guy, right? And so I think that's something that I, I we've seen it over and over. And yet I feel like I'm still guilty of it where I'm like, and, and even Kyle mentioned it here and I, I put it up on this, but like, I, I agree. I hated everybody's landing spot this year. But maybe that's a good thing, yeah. right? Maybe that lowers all of their value. And you can go scoop up more all year long. You can scoop up Bateman. You can scoop up the other more, Elijah Moore, right? And the Jets. Like that gives us a chance in Dynasty if you're pa- playing that long game and are looking for the future and are not afraid of, you know, not as I not afraid of being wrong, but like not afraid to wait. You know, and just kind of say, I don't mean I don't mind being wrong now. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be right later. And that's when it matters. And that's what receivers are really all about in Dynasty. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. It's it's not about being right
2: first it's about being right last
1: yes or right most uh, yeah
2: yeah well yeah. I, mean, I don't i don't play enough volume like, i'm only in six dynasty leagues so like i don't play the volume so i'm slacker i i, well, I just, that's that's not like i don't enjoy that I, it's I, not I, for I everyone i, yeah. I, yeah, I did yeah, totally that for great. a little bit and i was like this is not fun for me yeah. what's fun for me is is doing the rookie evaluation and really like deep diving on my teams and then ending up with with my guys and 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 that's where the proof's in the pudding for me is and it and it makes me really hone my process as a mm-hmm. rookie evaluator yes. because yes, now I, the shots that I'm taking like when when I give you my rookie evaluation that's my rookie evaluation that's what I'm going to do on my six teams and so all of the money that I'm putting into dynasty is going into my evaluation and and so you know that if I tell you I think Rondell Moore is good or I think, you know, Justin Jefferson is good or that, that I believe that. And, and so there's no, there's not any fluff.
1: Yeah. And we've got Bob here, maybe a lobster league, Zach. <laughs> I, I've
2: but, heard, I've <laughs> heard talk about that. I've heard, I got a lobster guy, Bob, come on up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Perfect. Well, but I think the, the thing you're hitting on there though, is with, with six leagues, your chips are bigger, right? You, you only have six yeah. shots to get yeah. more, you know, with someone like Scott who's got, what is it? 45 leagues or something you're in now, Scott?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. something like
1: that you've got 45 chances to get your guy and i like the diversification i, I would do the same thing i think i'm in 12 dynasty leagues which I, and i'll be honest i think that's getting to my my mental limit where i feel like i should trim it back a little because now i'm not able to spend the time i need to on waivers and trades and things like it's getting out of hand for me. Yeah, you don't need waivers I, that's that's not a bad idea yeah
2: <laughs> it's interesting to me though and and i try to listen to people and and pick out and parse what they have for leagues and how many leagues and how they play, because I think it's important when you're listening to people. So, so Scott's evaluation and, and the way Scott plays is going to be differently necessarily than, than the way I play. And it doesn't, it doesn't make it less valuable or more valuable, but you have to understand where he's coming from and, and the scope of what he's playing and how he's playing versus the advice i'm giving you and and that's one of the things i think that that people miss sometimes and i'm i'm always big into like the mental aspects of this game and and the psychological things and that's one of the things i think that people miss listening to analysts is who is this analyst and how are they playing are they playing best ball are they playing you know volume leagues are they playing uh, you know just a few dynasty leagues are they playing and we started out with the dummies kind of trying to be for your home league because everybody was talking up here like mm-hmm. everybody's an analyst which a lot of people who listen to to podcasts are but there are also people who are just getting into this yep and and if you're if you're talking you know at a level way up here you're missing all of the people Great who part. are in the entry yeah. level and so it's it's important to understand who you're listening to and and how they're attacking the game because there are advantages to be gained from everybody. All all of these different.
1: analysts, And to kind of hit on the other side of that too. I mean, someone who who creates content, I'm always worried about who's my audience for this, right? Like who am I talking to? And I say that not to be like, everyone's an analyst, but more like who is the audience of the person you're listening to? You know, Mm -hmm. that's a vital thing that I think when I started in this, I figured everybody was talking to me. Right. I'm a I'm a fan, I'm a user, I'm I'm a player, right? And I'm just listening to everybody. And after a few, I would even say a few years, it took me to realize, wait a minute, this person is actually talking to best ball players, which I'm not a best ball player. Or right. this person is talking to someone and, and Scott, I think, is like this too, or he, he tends to talk to lots of different kinds of angles. But it's like when he brings up portfolio and and that whole idea of value and, and players don't matter, like uh like uh who am I thinking of? Scott Connor is another one of those, yeah, right? Who yeah, always come exactly. up with it? John Bosch is another one of those. Brilliant. We're like there are tons and tons of different ways to play this game. And I love yeah. that. But at the same time, it doesn't, doesn't make the information less valuable. It just makes me go, okay, let me put that in my best ball bucket. Let me let yeah. me put that in my portfolio bucket. Because there are some times where like there are leagues that are like that, where the trades happen all the time. And it's just like I need to be able to play it like a valuation. I need to be able to be safe with this and take my heart out of it. You know what I mean? Well, and, and the other nice thing
2: about listening to guys like like Scott and Scott, who, who who do our portfolio players, who it's 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 easier for me to set up tiers and say, OK, I don't necessarily need this player because he's very similar to, you know, X, this other receiver. And so if I miss on one in a startup or in a rookie draft, I can I can go and and make up for it because this is a very similar player, which when I'm doing my rookie evaluation, that's not necessarily what I'm doing. I'm telling you what I think of these specific players. Boom, 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 boom. Whereas the way Scott would approach it is, okay, Rondo Moore, Elijah Moore, uh, Bateman are very similar, all going in the same range, all in the same tier. So it's okay if you come away with Pivot guys. away, yeah. Yeah, and, and <clears> so like that's really valuable to me who gets sometimes – a little bit myopic in, Mm -hmm. in how I'm viewing players. And so again, it's, it's important to understand, but it's also important to understand how uh, to use their information to your advantage
1: because oh, that's exactly it. it, it. Like,
2: like like Scott Connors, brilliant. Like I I love a lot of what he says, but sometimes he and I get in, in back and forth on Twitter because we're looking at things from an entirely different lens. And then I go, Oh yeah, it's because he's playing, you know, sixty leagues, and I'm playing six, and so that changes the way I value, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson versus he's sitting there going, well, there mm-hmm. there are eight players who can give you what Justin Jefferson gives you.
3: Well, and we had we basically had this exact scenario a few weeks ago, and we had our buddy uh, Chad Parsons on, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Parsons is like, all right, Sidlow and Connor, you guys are you guys are week You're just diversifying like, Hey, you guys will hit on a few, whatever. I'm, I'm going to go get my guys because I know I'm, I'm right. And I'm going to go get, and, and I get it. I don't disagree at all, but it's just, that's, you know, that's our approach because that's what works across the portfolio. Yeah, that's again. how you
1: have fun. It's how you like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the thing. That, and, and to kind of reference again, John Bosch put it perfectly. This is a board game, right? Yeah. But it's a board game with 17 different rule books. And none of us are really playing the same game, even though we're all playing on the same board, right? And I love that exactly. logic where like, you can play this game however intensely you want. Now, obviously we're the dynasty junkies, right? We're, we're the guys that love dynasty for dynasty's sake, but that doesn't mean we all do it the same way. And I, I think that's something I, I feel like we, we can kind of wrap this up and move to the next segment in a second here. But and it kind of goes back to our wide receiver discussion, right? Wide receivers are something that we're going to get into more of this, but wide receivers are something that everybody kind of has a different opinion on, right? There are some people that do, the, the forbidden term of zero running back and they go heavy <laughs> at running receivers all the time. And in a startup and dynasty, they'll get nothing but receivers until the eighth round and then they'll go or they'll do like hero running back and all these different strategies. Ultimately, it comes down to finding the way to zig when your league zags and trying to find the way to differentiate, make yourself stand out. And sometimes that can be done this way. Sometimes it can be done this way. And I think there's there's value in all of it. And I think that's why I've, I've really enjoyed learning more about the game of dynasty, because there is no wrong way. There are multiple ways. And depending on the league, depending on the team, I might change it up. And this year, I'm going to just play valuation, right? I'm going to put every trade in a calculator, and if it wins, I'll do it, right? And I know tr- Russ is huge with this, with the outhouse trades, where you just put a thing in your league chat and you say, hey, if you send me a thing, I'll put it on Twitter. Whichever side wins, I'll accept, right? That That is one way to have fun with this game. Others would say, that's crazy. Why would you spend all this time just to trade everything away? Because that's how Russ has fun. You know, that's how Rocky has fun. That's how we have fun with this game. And I mean, if you're playing in 45 leagues, you can probably risk it anyway, right? Like, okay, it helps me (laughs) diversify. So it kind of adds a little bit of flavor. And I think receivers are an easy way to do that. But let's, let's get into this next segment because I do feel like this is where we can get into some of the meat here. This is our... I know I wouldn't say it's like a recurring segment, but we do this every time we talk about positions is let's look at the ADP right now and try to see if we can predict the future, right? Let's get our crystal balls out and see and, and just kind of predict, I guess, what we think the next 12 months may hold for this because that's where a lot of dynasty value can be found. If you can be right on some of these changes, whether it's you know rising or falling, that can really help your team. So what we're gonna do here first, I'll go through like usual and list the top 12 wide receivers in August, DLF ADP, this is uh, you know, mostly mock drafts, as far as I understand. That's how they do their ADP every time at DLF, which is fine. There is value in that. But again, your league may not have this exact valuation. But the first four are interesting to me. Number one, Justin Jefferson. <sighs> okay. Number two, Tyreek Hill. Number three, A.J. Brown. Number four, D.K. Metcalf. Number five, C.D. Lamb. Lots of youth well. at the top. Lots of, well, <laughs> lots of youth at the top there. Number six, Devontae Adams. Number seven, Stefan Diggs. 8, Calvin Ridley, 9, DeAndre Hopkins, 10, Jamar Chase, Whoa. 11, Terry McLaurin, and 12, DJ Moore. Now, I, I have a number of questions and a number of things to talk about here. But, Zach, let's kick it to you first. Which one of these 12 will not be there next year this time? So
2: <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's a loaded I have, question. <laughs> I, well, I have the show sheet. So, so I think that there are two that stand out. And they were the two that you guys both picked.
1: That's and why I, I wanted you to go first.
2: And so it's, am I, do I have to make a decision between the no, two? Or, no, no. Or we or, can hear Scott. I'll, only I'll, I'll if you agree with me.
1: I'll go to no, Scott I, first. Let's, let's, I, let's all present our cases and let's see if you, let's do it this way then. So Scott, you go first. Which one of these 12 is not going to be there?
3: Okay. So for me, I mean, I can, I can make the case for several guys here. Yep. Um, I actually feel like this might be a fairly stable group more so than the last few years um when we've looked at this but uh for me it's gonna be dj Moore. and i mean listen i'm a dj Moore fan like it's not i nothing against the guy but it's just like i don't know i (laughs) i said on the the other day on twitter i was like is dj Moore still a thing and i mean i think i i'm pretty sure i was murdered right then and there so oh yeah um I just i don't I don't know, I don't have a ton of shares of him, but like I feel like my teams that have him he's just like he gets like eight points every week, and it's like, all right, cool, whatever like he doesn't have those like blow up games. he's not like a a league winner, you know, and I mean, there's something to be said for those guys, but I just feel like it's it's uh he's like he's very consistent, he's good. they just extended Robbie, right? They just brought in terrace Marshall, maybe they have a quarterback now, we'll see. Um, so I feel like he's, o- he, he's okay. He he's going to be okay, but I, I don't know that Darnold is going to support three receivers. I don't know that he's going to support two, let alone <laughs> three. So, um, I, that's, that's kind of my best argument. I know it's not a great it's, argument. It's but a that's good argument. My best argument. What do
1: you think, Zach?
2: I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I love the idea of DJ Moore. I've yes. loved the idea of DJ Moore for the last three years, but his PPR finishes, have been 39, 12, and 23 overall. And points per game, he was 54, 16, and 25. So it, this is not a top 12 wide receiver. This is not a player that, that I'm going to bank on being my wide receiver one. He's a nice wide receiver two or wide receiver three. But the, and, and I think part of this was driven, that the analytics community was like way in on DJ Moore, coming in and then they were like, well, he's going to do it. And then he had a pretty good year, his second year. And they're like, see, we told you, and it's going to get bigger. <laughs> and then it didn't. And now you have Sam Darnold and it's like, ah, I just, I can't see him staying in the top 24. Will he kind of be a satellite? Or I mean, the top 12, will he be a satellite in that top 12? Yeah. He'll be right on the outside. You know, it'd be sure. like the rings of Saturn. It'll be fantastic but I don't see him in the top 12.
1: Well, and, and just kind of getting back on what we said, we're talking about talent versus opportunity. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't dislike the talent of DJ Moore, but the opportunity does have a little bit of hand in that, right? Sam Darnold's not that great of a, of an option as of right now, right? Talk to me in six weeks and he might be QB one, right? Like we see this all the time, but the, the point I was going to make with DJ Moore is if I'm, if I'm starting a team and I do have, I think I have one team where DJ Moore is my best receiver I don't like that team. Like I just I don't feel dominant. Like Scott hit on it perfectly. Like I want my wide receiver one to be able to take over a game and score 30 points and get three touchdowns. And I just don't know if I see more doing that. And that's that's one of the
2: issues too with with DJ Moore is the the touchdowns just aren't going to be there. I mean, you saw last year with Bridgewater had fifth through for 15 touchdowns. Sam Darnold's never thrown for more than 19. So it's not like, you're not going to have a quarterback come in and throw for a 35 or 40 touchdowns. It's, just, it's not going to happen. Well, if
1: it happens, the story is Sam Darnold, right? Yeah. The story is that Sam Darnold yeah. blew up and oh my gosh, we were all wrong on Sam Darnold. No one's talking about DJ Moore at that point. You know what I mean? Like I, I also look at ADP as something that I love that we do this exercise because ADP is, is bonkers to me sometimes <laughs> because it, it's not reality. It's perceived reality. It's almost like a meta meta conversation where it's almost like, and, and I'm not, I'm not at all poo pooing ADP or, or any of the work that DLF does to get this data or anything like that. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying a lot of times, especially, and I've done a bunch of those DLF mock drafts where it's like, well, at this point, yeah, I'll take I'll take DJ Moore. I feel like that's where he should go, and like you're kind of playing the outside game a little bit, and maybe not building your own team. And I think if if it's if it's up to me, and I'm looking at this, and and I'll tell you that there's I don't know two names that I could put on here from the same team on the Bucks that are not on this list, right? Yeah. I, I almost always would rather have one of those two over DJ Moore and Dynasty right now and Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. And so it kind of boggles my mind a little bit. But at the same time, it's averaging out. This is literally average draft position. This is not every draft. This is not rankings. This is literally where the people think they're going. And so I look at ADP all the time because I want to know where the, the market is. Where can I make an exploit and make a difference yes. and change things? And if the market and it, that's not to say everyone agrees with this, right? we're talking about how we disagree with this. But or at least how it's going to change. But if I see that the market is higher on DJ Moore than I am, all right, I'm gonna go see if I can sell a couple shares and see if I can get, you know, I don't know, trade away DJ Moore for and, and a piece for Calvin Ridley, or trade away DJ Moore and a piece for Devontae Adams, who is tumbling in a way, right? Devontae Adams was the number one receiver in Dynasty, I think two years ago, or no, it was like a year and a half ago. And then all last year was dominant. And then there were all these questions marks with Rogers. He may not be there next year, his contract isn't signed, and all of a sudden Devontae Adams is wide receiver six. Well, that drop is something else that you can kind of exploit. It's on that same page. So um, we've kind of talked about mine, but I do want to get into it. As, we, as you said, both of ours were good. I want to make sure that we cover it. Jamar Chase is the obvious one here, right? Like yeah. wide receiver 10, I'm, I'm, I'm a Bengals fan. I'm, I'm unabashedly a fan of the Cincinnati Bengals, for better or for worse. I think Chase is going to have a great career. I do think it was the right pick. I love everything about it but I can't take him as my wide receiver one. That is just way too risky because that to me is his ceiling. Like if, you, if you're drafting him at wide receiver 10, you need everything to go right. And how many times do we see everything go right? Maybe once a player, you know what I mean? Like at it, it, one time a year, it happens. Justin Jefferson, it went all the way right. And that's exactly like we said before. It's exactly what people are expecting with Jamar Chase. I just, I'm not going to be shocked if a year from now, he's kind of like what you said, kind of on that 13 to 15 bubble with DJ Moore right? Looking in and saying, well, I could be, I have some upside. I have this potential, but I just don't see Chase performing that well this year to maintain that value. That's really what it is.
2: And the other thing that's scary with Chase is you've got T. Higgins there. And if T. Higgins does what a lot of people are expecting T. Higgins to do and and end up being the one on that team this year, where does, where does Chase go from there? Does he have the ability to then usurp that, the, you know, the target share and, 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 you know, step over Higgins? Or is now Higgins the wide receiver one in perpetuity on, on the Bengals? And so, that, like, that's a dangerous thing this year if you, if you don't think Chase is going to be that top 10 or 12 wide receiver this year, which I think a lot of people are out on you've got T Higgins who can be a very good receiver you saw him have connection with Burrow you you know that he is a a downfield a touchdown scorer a big bodied guy a guy who's great on the boundaries and and so that's a real precarious situation for Chase and his you know standing in the top 12
1: and I'll even just say this I'm very curious to see September ADP yeah. Right. I think we might actually see Chase fall out of this already. And I, I think it's yeah. the ADP tends to overcorrect. Right. And I think that with the drops and with all the content being out there about, oh, man, was this the right pick? And I, I'm, I'm not going to be shocked at all if we see his, his ADP fall to like 20. Honestly, like it could drop crazy low and kind of what we were talking about earlier, Scott, like now is the wrong time to, to get rid of Chase. If his ADP was 10 when this happened, that would have been the time to get rid of him or when it gets back to this level because I do think he has a chance to get into this and and to kind of redo and and kind of become that ceiling, but you don't usually want to draft a rookie at their ceiling. You know what I mean? Like, so Scott, what are your thoughts on chase? I know we kind of hit on it before, but I mean, I I'm guessing you agree with us that he's the one that he's one of the ones to take out of here. Right.
3: Yeah. I mean, he, he was kind of the, the initial one that jumped out at me. Um, but the only, the only difference for me is like, we've seen three years of DJ Moore and we haven't seen chase yet. So, I kind of feel like there's always that, you know, it, it's always going to be in our heads. It doesn't matter how how many numbers we see, how real, how much of a realist we are, but like, we're like, yeah, he could be the next Justin Jefferson, you yeah. know, like you're always yeah. going to think that, right? You're not it's, thinking it's that possible. about more. It's yeah. within the range of outcomes, right? Yeah. It's it's possible. Um, I don't think DJ Moore is going to be, you know, he's not going to take that leap, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I think that's far less likely than a guy like chase doing it so that's why i i would choose dj more at that point and i mean chase too it's like you could you could see maybe the potential of him being your number one receiver at some point whereas i don't see that ever for dj more at this point
1: yeah I, i'm right there with you and so that's that's the you know but whatever well, let's get more optimistic, right? Let's pivot to the other end of this. And and I'll I'll start with you on this one, Scott. And I loved your answers on this, but who in the who is not in the top 12? Who is not on this list that you think is going to vault up into that August of next year? Who's the first one on this list of two you wrote down? I think both are great. Okay, so the first actually
3: the first name that jumped in my mind was uh was someone who's too old and uh, is on my team, but he's also wide receiver 14. So I had to look at the list here and see, okay, who's after 12 and who, you know, who's in that next tier. That makes sense. There's a lot of the older receivers, Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, like those guys probably aren't going up. Um, so it's kind of, all right, out of these young guys, who's going to make the the big jump and uh, t- two names, just again, because of talent and opportunity, uh, but the first name I put down, I think everybody's kind of on board with, is Jerry Judy. Um, both talent and opportunity. We don't know. Uh, I love Cortland Sutton, so I hate to say it, but we don't know how he's going to come back and how he's going to fit with Bridgewater and all that. So, uh, And really, it's his first year because Shermer uh, took over as their OC last year, and he basically missed the season. So we don't know how Shermer's is going to use him. Um, so, yeah, I think Judy's got all the opportunity there to, to be – that uh, target hog. Um, and then I, I threw in also uh, the Slim Reaper, Devontae Smith. I just think he's got a chance there in Philly, that connection with Hurts, so much uncertainty with all their other players. I know they've had some guys look good and whatnot, but it's really about the tight ends there. And so if, if we see a receiver that breaks out and that really moves up out of that next, like 20 or 30 guys, those are the two names to me
1: that that kind of jump out. I think that's a great pick. And I'll pivot to you in a second, Zach. I do want to say Judy is currently wide receiver 20 and Devonta Smith is currently wide receiver 26. So they're both, you know, well outside the top 12, but I think your, your name was Judy as well, Zach. What do you think about Judy this year? Yeah. Jerry
2: Judy with a bullet. Uh, I'm always on the lookout for players and and this is kind of a, a term that I've coined that, that can be a one from the wide receiver two position and what I mean by that is a player yes. like Chris Godwin, a player like Calvin Ridley, a player like Juju Smith Schuster, when you know when he had Antonio Brown on the outside and he was fantastic. Even even Jarvis Landry has become that kind of guy where everyone thought Odell Beckham was going to be the guy in Cleveland, but it's still Jarvis because he drives the targets. Jerry Judy is that guy. And and if you don't believe that, last year. Jerry Judy in Denver had 856 yards receiving as their wide receiver one. He finished six in air yards in the NFL last year, and he he garnered a 20% target share of Denver's passes. So that is a fantastic wide receiver who's actually going to benefit from Cortland Sutton coming back. Courtland Sutton being yep. the being the one being able to take that number one corner and go downfield it moves Jerry Judy inside where he is when I watched him coming out of college my my immediate thought was that's Calvin Ridley with more ability after the catch like they they were very similar and it wasn't just the laundry like they played a very similar game. They get open versus zone, which is uh, that's something I mentioned on on Justin Jefferson. But this is something that I, I look for a lot with wide receivers coming out of college because everybody can to some if you're in the NFL, you're going to be able to beat man coverage. But but playing against zone, understanding the concepts and understanding where there are all zones are cheats. And so in every zone there are going to be lanes and holes because you can't cover the entire field and so as a receiver you have to be able to identify where the lanes are and sit down in those lanes to give your quarterback an alley to throw the ball in and that's something that Jerry Judy does so well and then after the catch he's fantastic and so that is and people go oh he drops a ball drops don't matter Drops do not matter, especially for fantasy football. They don't matter one <laughs> iota.
1: No, I, if they did, that would change things, right? If there was like minus one for a drop, yeah. I could see that making a difference. But no, you don't get any negative points for that. <laughs> no, and, and if they're still throwing you the ball, who cares, right? Like you're not going to get benched for that. He's too good. Exactly. Yeah.
2: It, it does not matter at all. And so that's, that's the guy that is going to... Everyone is going to look back in hindsight and go, how did we have Jerry Judy at wide receiver
1: 20? Well, I think it's it's probably the, I think this is, uh, again, ADP is kind of like crowdsourcing, right? It's almost like we're, we're looking at the, the, trying to get a pulse of the market. And I think a lot of people were, were hesitant to put him, I'm, I'm, and I'm speculating here, but I think a lot of people were hesitant to put him higher because of the whole Bridgewater lock conversation. Right, like there is a QB controversy in a sense. We don't know who it's going to be. I don't. I'm not. I can't really predict either one or the other. I, let me just. I'll take someone else instead. Right, and I'm. I'm with Scott. I think Sutton's a terrific receiver. Uh, and if that third preseason game is any indication, it looks like he's mentally over this hurdle as well as physically. I think Sutton could be a stud. And I, there is actually a chance that Sutton and Judy are both in the top twelve conversation in a year or two, especially if Denver so. goes out and gets a con- and gets a, a actual competent quarterback. No offense to Drew Lock or, or Teddy Bridgewater again, both playing better than I ever will in my entire life. But I think that if that if that quarterback room gets better, that team is locked and loaded, right? They've got everything going their way with Javante Williams joining now and and kind of changing in the guard, the running back this year. I think. That defense is still pretty stout. I mean, you hit a ton of stats there too, Zach. I think Judy is the kind of guy that is. It, it could be with a bullet to the moon, right? Like he could be one of those guys in that Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown conversation in the top five, really. Uh, we, we have to see it. And I think that's partially why even last year we kind of saw it. And there were definitely some some stats and some, like you talked about Ariard, some pieces you could pull out of the data that kind of illustrated it, but he still didn't quite finish like we wanted him to. And I think a lot of that is just partially Sutton, but mostly the quarterback. So I I don't think that's a bad choice at all. And I think especially if they get a consistent play at the quarterback position, Judy's a baller for sure. Um, I'll mention mine and we can kind of use this to pivot uh, because it it is, here's where it gets funky. I don't necessarily agree with my choice, but I think it's where the market will be, right? This is ADP. This is not my rankings. I think ADP will have Brandon Ayuk in the top 12 by this point next year. I think his hype is, is, pretty ridiculous in my opinion and i'm not saying ridiculous negative but it's insane to watch all the hype everybody's talking about him like there is no debo samuel anymore or that he he is debo samuel from two years ago right like debo did the same thing he made it cool before brandon Ayuk did it um Ayuk had some injury troubles of his own and, and that offense is obviously going through a lot of transition uh, they'd like to run the ball there too and, and there's a running quarterback now i mean there, there's a whole bunch of question marks but I, all that aside, I just think that everyone loves Ayuk. And at some point this year, he's going to go off for, I don't know, eight catches, 110 yards and three touchdowns. And it, he's just going to be the new dynasty darling even more. And he's going to rise up these ranks. Cause I think there's a couple guys that could fall out. I think Ayuk is going to be up there, but I don't think he should be. And so this is where it's kind of a counterintuitive logic. I think he's going to be. And I think that's where ADP will put him, but I just, I don't know if I would take him there. So what are your thoughts on Ayuk Zach? I think there's going to be enough of a split between
2: Debo Samuel and and Ayuk that he doesn't get up into the top 12. Um, And and if things go the way I think they're going to this year, I don't think there will even be a conversation because I, I still am in the camp, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, but 57 catches, 802 yards, three touchdowns as a rookie. No, that's not Brandon Ayuk from last year. That was Debo from two years ago. Exactly, With 159 yards rushing and three touchdowns with with more yards per reception than Ayuk had last year. And and I know that they shifted Debo closer to the line of scrimmage behind the line of scrimmage last year after his injury. But I think you'll see him come back, and I think that he is – what everybody wants Brandon Ayuk to be. I think he's he's better at that role than Ayuk is. Ayuk is very, very good post-catch. He's very, very good. Uh, he's better deep than uh, Samuel is. But I think Samuel just does everything Ayuk does within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage, turned up to 11.
1: I completely agree, and that's kind of where I'm at with this. And and we were going to use this – I, I, I want to use this as the pivot because we want to talk about different players and different situations – and I just feel like the Niners are one of those situations with wide receiver. And you hit the nail on the head. They're, they're kind of stealing from each other. And there's the big fish of George Kittle taking away targets. And there's the big fish of the running backs taking away targets, whichever running back it's going to be. And there's the big fish of the team likes to run. And they could switch to Trey Lance, who may be scrambling more and only throw 12 times a game, right? So like, there's all these ands that make it a negative. And that's kind of why I... I I wouldn't say I took the easy way out. I picked someone who I think wouldn't do it. But I also think it's it's where the market is going to go. I do feel like the market is crazy on Ayuk right now. And I wouldn't be shocked if Debo gets hurt again and, and the offense kind of pivots and leans on Ayuk. And in a year, we're looking at Ayuk as a top 12 dynasty receiver. And all of us are kind of scratching our heads like, I mean, I guess, but I, do I trust it? You know, kind of like the DJ Moore of this class. Like he squeaks in and you're like, I get it. But I don't feel safe with that. That's kind of where I'm at with Ayuk. I'd rather have Samuel at his cost, right? Yeah. Looking at the two receivers, if you're giving me the option, I'd much rather take a cheaper Debo Samuel than a somewhat expensive Brandon Ayuk. You know what I mean? Scott, what do you think about that kind of conversation? So here's here's where we're settling in. Let's let's go. Let's get certain, it. I like certain
3: it. Certain factors come in. Um, Debo Samuel is one of my favorite uh, players to watch like oh, maybe ever Um the wide receiver position is like that's what I played my whole life so like that's what I know best um from as far as like what I'm watching like you know I've watched football my life right but can I talk about it like some of these guys can like no I just I, I don't know how to evaluate a quarterback or what you know what I mean from yeah, college to the pros, what whatever but like <laughs> yeah. a wide receiver like I can I can just you know I see the routes they're running. I could see their brakes, their hand movements. What are they doing with their feet? All this. I, I'm watching all this stuff because I did, you know, I did all that. I tried to do all that. Right. And Debo is just so much fun, you know, just get the ball in his hands and let him make plays. Right. Um, and I, I liked Ayuk, uh coming out. So, you know, I mean, obviously draft capital is a, a big factor. Um, there's two things here for me. So one is the foot injury for Debo not to mention all of his other injuries that he's had over high school, college, and now in the pros. Um, The foot injury bothers me statistically. Uh, There's not, there have been other receivers that have come back. You can, you can look it up. It's, it's not like it's, it's not, we're not talking about an Achilles tear for a running back here, um, which we might get into later. Uh, But it's, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. A wide receiver having a foot issue is not good. So for a guy that I had maybe 20% shares, um, I th- I think I have like two left. Uh I, I've I'm out, unfortunately, um, just because of his long term prognosis here. Now, if it comes down to let's let's look at what the 49ers are gonna do on offense because we're we're talking about fantasy production, right. Um, I'm a Trey Lance guy. I'm willing to take him at two in super flex and have, and I have more shares of him than, than any other quarterback. I have none of fields because obviously the bears will ruin him. Um, but <laughs> Trey Lance, when he comes in inevitably at some point, is he going to support a top two tight end and two top 12, 15, 24 wide receivers? Uh, again, I don't know. I don't know how to evaluate South Dakota football. I don't know what he's well, going to be like as a passer. Uh, I know what Shanahan can do. Uh, and, and now obviously carrying that through so many years, seeing how they utilize the quarterback and the rushing and all that stuff. So fantasy wise, I'm in. But as far as him passing and supporting all of those guys, uh, I actually think Debo has the better chance of being the more productive guy, because I don't think you need to be a great quarterback. just get him the ball and, and let him, let him go. Zero yards, right? Like so, just literally
1: lateral it to him and let him go. You know yeah, what I mean?
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah. so I just, I feel like he has the better chance out of the two. Um, I don't think you can argue with what I did last year, but I did make, uh, so I, I made this chart because I was curious and I put down like the games, who was the quarterback did Kittle play Did Debo play, you know, or, or did neither of them play? Cause there were some of those games too. Right. And I mean, all of Ike's production, all of it, like a hundred percent or like 99.9% came in the games when Kittle and Debo were out and he was basically the only option. And I yep. mean, I think that's a well-known thing. Like I'm, that's not groundbreaking. Right. Um, so I think that's the biggest attractor there. And anytime someone's getting the amount of targets he he is, obviously, he's a talented guy. You know, if if this was, you know, um,
1: well, Tyrell Williams, saying he's he's earning those targets. The same you know production. I mean? like, he, right.
3: Yeah. So I get it. He is. He is very talented. And I think from a team standpoint, they're in great shape here. But from a fantasy standpoint, I don't I don't know. I'm just really not. I'm
1: not in. I'm not in on Ayuk. I don't blame you. And I, like I said, I'm not either. I just feel like the community is is kind of going nuts for the kid. Uh, he did have a terrific rookie year. And I just feel like everybody is ignoring the fact that Devo did it first. And they're ignoring all the different red flags. And as much as you're in on Trey Lance, we had Nick Whalen on a couple of weeks ago, who, you know, kind of blew my mind with some of this the stuff real Nick about Lance. Yeah, and he he is not a Lance believer. He does not believe the Lance is going to be the guy yeah, and all this, which he he again had some terrific knowledge about that. And as someone who does evaluate quarterbacks, I tend to trust his word, right? And I think uh, you know this kind of goes back to what Zach tends to do is like I know my limits, and I tend to trust the guys that do it better than me. And Waylon's one of the best out there, so I was like, well, if he doesn't like Lance. There's something there. I, that's some smoke, you know what I mean? Like, got to put it in the in the hopper. But I, the, ultimately, the reason I brought him up was is partially because i don't I don't know if I'm trying to how to word of this. I don't know if I can accurately predict a year from now who's going to rise because receiver is a really odd thing to see. Judy is a slam dunk. I completely agree with that. There's a couple guys like for the fact that like I said it before, why why are Godwin and Evans neither one of them are in the top 12. I feel like either one of them could be both of them could be. that kind of felt like a cop-out Maybe we pivot to them right look at them next so like looking at kind of looking at the adp right now, just so we're clear. Godwin just missed it at wide receiver 13, and Evans is wide receiver 17. I'm wondering if some of that hesitation is related to Brady and his future. Like, do we not know where he's going? But, I mean, Zach, what do you think about these Buccaneers receivers? Are they both worthy or either worthy? I think that you're going to see the
2: market correction for Godwin back up into the top 12. I I really do think that. I, I think that you saw him kind of battle injury and getting acclimated to brady and at the end of the year you saw brady start to go more toward godwin and i think you're going to see that continue evans i like but he's a different type of player than i usually have on my rosters and and again it's not to say that he's a bad receiver i i have a type i i kyle always used to make fun of me he says you know, you really – you like them slotty, and I do. I like those guys <laughs> that are that are close to the line of scrimmage, that drive tons of targets because I play primarily PPR. And if you're driving 130 or 140 targets – and not that Evans doesn't, but you get those and you get the added yards after catch. And I, I just – I feel a lot more comfortable with the every week, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten targets – as opposed to a guy who may need to catch a touchdown or two to really make my week. And, and again, that's not a knock on Evans. Evans has been fantastic. Evans has been, you know, he had what seven straight years with a thousand yard. Like it's just like been mind blowing his, his career. Uh, Last year he started off looking a little bit like the Jordan Howard of, of the bucks though. He was like two (laughs) yards, two catches, two touchdowns. And that was kind of, I was like, that's weird, but.
1: Well, no, but But, you hit on something perfectly there. The PPR versus non makes a difference too, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure these are all PPR mock drafts that they're doing, which is why Godwin's ahead. But in in a standard league, or I I don't like the term standard, in non-PPR – I think Evans has a has every right to be in that top 12 because he may not catch a lot of balls, but he's consistent. He gets touchdowns and we see it every year. He's like you said, he's the guy that you get two catches for two yards and two touchdowns. Right. (laughs) And he's just like it's frustrating as all get out when you're playing against him because you're like, don't throw it. I threw it to Evans on the one. Are you kidding me? So like it happens every year. And I think that uh, that offense is going to be pretty stout again. They brought everybody back. Right. That whole team is coming back to run it back and back. Uh, I don't think Brady's going anywhere for at least a couple of years. And I know that Rocky loves that as, as old quarterback guy, Rocky <laughs> Pintrella, uh, you know, and that's, he loves that kind of thing because he, he loves when he can get a quarterback for cheap and then they stick around for 10 more years, like Brady's pulling off. But I mean, I think that Tampa Bay is one of those that I just think is, is, I wouldn't say it's going underrated, but they took a hit this off season, right? Godwin, especially with, you know, the franchise tag, is he going to be there next year? Evans is, I think 28, like he's getting up there and kind of getting to that cliff, so to speak, that we look at, uh, and can that offense can do it all again? Maybe they can't, right? Maybe the the, the wheels fall off at some point. So there are some questions there. So I, I just think that, I mean, I don't think either one of them is a bad player or anything like that, but I guess, Scott, who do you like more? Maybe do you like Godwin or Evans more? Which, which camp are you in? If you had to pick one? Um, yeah,
3: I mean, I'll try to be quick on this. Basically I I'm taking Godwin over Evans basically everywhere, um, but I do want to point out that I heard um, I heard this target share stat with uh, Matt Waldman had on John Leonard, mm. who covers Tampa Bay, and he pointed out a couple things that Mike Evans basically was ruled out for week one and then somehow still played. But he, had, he was pretty, he was basically on one leg the first few games last year. And I think that injury lingered and who knows? Everybody plays hurt, so it is what it is, but it, it was just interesting to point that out because you were exactly right. He was basically like two catches and hopefully one of them was a touchdown, right? Because he couldn't run. And and then Godwin missed some time too um, on a points-for-game basis because they didn't play the same amount of games. Uh, Evans was you know 14, Godwin was 22 and it was a point-and-a-half difference. But the biggest thing for me was the target share. Even with Evans being banged up, and some of these guys missing time, uh, Evans got nearly 20% target share, which was by far the most on the team. Like 5% more than Godwin, 6%. Actually, Gronk was third, believe it or not. Um, And AB had about 10%. So he was doubling up AB there. Um, Now, it's Brady. He's good. He'll spread the ball around. We get all that. But I think Evans is kind of underrated. So I don't want to just like... I'm not throwing him over the side of the boat yet. You know, I think he's he he could definitely have he could he could have a big year this year. Like it wouldn't surprise me if he has a monster year. Um he may be one of the most unique receivers that Brady's ever had. And yeah. if he's healthy and he's still in good shape and all that, I mean then then it would not shock me if he has a monster year. But you're right, he's getting older. He's not typically uh, a player that plays a long time, you think of like the Vincent Jacksons and some of those bigger guys, they just kind of fall off a cliff at some point. So, probably still sticking with Godwin if I'm choosing between the two, but it also depends on the cost, as always.
2: Well, and it, if the question is getting back up into the top 12, Evans just turned 28. Dynasty is very ageist. And, it's definitely yeah. Godwin. And, and the, yeah, and so Godwin, but like, Mike Evans had 13 touchdowns. Like he had a thousand yards and 13 touchdowns last year. And everyone talks about him like he's dead. Like he's not right. a player. He's a player that I want right. on my dynasty teams because of the acquisition cost. Yep. But but he's not the one that's going to get back up into the top 12.
1: I just don't think he's that dominant figure like we were talking about, right? He's not someone that I'm terrified of facing. He used to be. And and I'll be honest, I don't think that's a negative to say that he used to be. He's just not as what he used to be because Godwin stepped up. And mm-hmm. kind of showed that he might be the top target. The only other, the last one, that last team that we want to talk about in this segment before we get to the trade is there's another team. That's not anywhere in this top 12 that I think all have the the possibility. All three of the receivers on this team technically have the possibility to get in the top 12 and that's Pittsburgh, right? The Steelers have nobody in the top 12 yet. All three of those receivers are kind of, I don't know. They're in the hunt, right? You got uh, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster, and all three of them in, in August ADP are 21, 22, and 23, right? And it's literally because nobody is sure who's going to be the guy. And so it's kind of like an opportunity cost discussion all over again, right? Where it's like, I don't know who's who's going to be the one. I'll pick one of them in the fifth round and we'll be fine, right? That's pretty much what it comes down to. But if Juju leaves, which is he was expected to leave this year and decided to stay, and I don't think it's a bad idea with the way the, the salary cap was going, that made sense business-wise, but if Juju does leave, let's say he goes to, I don't know, Kansas City or, or Green Bay or whatever, that opens up a bunch of targets in a sense for Claypool and Johnson. So, I mean, what do you guys think about those? Are, are any of those three, do any of those three, I guess, stand out among the others? And and as someone you might put in your top 12, Scott, I mean, who do you like in Pittsburgh?
3: It's it's probably Claypool, if it's any of the three, just because of what he can do. Again, like an Evans, right? He's a young, but... Uh, so that, that makes the difference there as far as jumping up ADP wise, he can, he can have those big plays, those monster games. We saw it from him last year. Um, You know, he can take over, he's a monster. And so he's, that's the type of guy that's going to jump up sooner. Um, I know like everybody thinks Juju's dead. He's literally going to be 25. In a couple, of I, was, I was just going like, to say 24 know, years old, did, right? now. Did
1: you know Deontay Johnson is the oldest of the three of them? Like that seems it, so odd. Like that doesn't make sense, but it's true. Yeah. Juju's only 24. Yeah. He's got a well, long, and, a and long career ahead of if, him.
3: Like if I told you, if, if I said how many, how many catches do you think, how many receptions do you think Juju had last year?
1: Oh, no commu- one. community thinks no he had one. 30. You know, that was it. No he, one he,
3: will th- think that he was three catches short of a hundred. He had 97 receptions last year. Yeah, that's not 128 catches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, like, from a value standpoint, like he in a couple of startups I've seen, he's like, (laughs) yeah. I mean, it's it's like, uh, Jacoby Myers is going ahead of Juju. You know, like (laughs) it's like okay, okay, let's let's hold up here a minute, but as far as adp wise i'd have to say claypool out of the three
1: Uh, zach are you on that same page is claypool your guy or is it Deontay, or do you like there i'm i'm
2: a juju guy and i think that that what scott said about the the receptions is great but he he also had 128 targets yeah and he had 128 targets with like ben roethlisberger throwing hook shots last year And although you know this preseason, it, it hasn't been uh, great. It's been a lot better than what he looked like last year, coming off that you know coming off the the long respite with the surgery and everything. So I think that I think that you're going to see Juju's a dot uh, creep above uh, one yard this year. I think that'll happen. <laughs> and and I also think that he is the best player on that team at doing. Everything. So, so Claypool is probably the best player after the catch. Deontay Johnson is probably the best player going down the field and creating separation like that. But Juju is the best mix of all great, of great that, point. and I, I think that he is. And the other, the other issue I have with Claypool, and it's not like. I I feel like part of this is is bias uh, because I'm I missed on Claypool. I didn't think that he was going to be oh, me what too. he is. Me too. I thought he was going to come out and be a great wide a uh, great tight end. Like I thought somebody was going to shift him over and he was going to be a, a really fantastic move tight end. But the thing that you saw with Claypool is he scored in bunches and a lot of his scores were manufactured little jet sweep close to the, close to the goal line, which is great. But now this year you've got uh, Harris, who I think is a very, very good running back. You've got a little bit uh, more in terms of ability to score from close. And I think that it's going to eat into a little bit of, of what we saw from Claypool in terms of scoring which okay. if touchdowns are touchdowns are the most volatile uh you know thing year to year. That's that would be my hesitation. I, I agree with you that in, in terms of dynasty, where we look at guys being young and the and the new hotness is gonna is gonna get the the highest, you know, ADP. I'm I'm there. But I still think Juju is the the better player. And I think that if he eats this year, he's got a chance to come back up. I mean he was we're talking about him as what like the wide receiver seven or eight at one point a couple of years ago. And, uh-huh. and so it's I mean we have a we have this nano memory like it's it's like, hey, look at the kitty you know we're we're doing like the it's it's adD uh, but. I think I think a good season from Juju brings him back into the collective consciousness.
1: I, I completely agree. I, I don't mind the Chase Claypool take, and, and I'm not a Deontay hater. I know that uh, our, our other co-host, Rocky Petrella, is a big Deontay fan, and it's a shame he's not here to stand for his man. But I, I'm with you. I think Juju is the one that I want the most. I think he's the utility guy. He's the guy that Ben looks for. He's the guy that that offense kind of runs through. And I think even if he leaves, someone else is going to love him. So I, there's no value loss. It may even go up because he goes to a team like the Packers or he goes to a team like the Chiefs and is their second receiver that they need, you know?
2: It's funny. I had a tweet back in uh, April or May a, a, and a, about the Pittsburgh wide receivers and saying that both uh, Juju and Deontay Johnson were were values. And I split the difference. I said, for what it's worth, my model prefers Juju to Johnson because the tiebreaker is a metric of touchdown celebration creativity divided by the number of years without a driver's license. And and I found that the, the R value for that is just off the charts.
1: If that's the most predictive stat and no one no one's looking at it, that would just be perfect. Like if that was hundred percent accurate, wouldn't that be terrific? Like, oh man, how wait? Okay. I just have one question for you, rookie. How long has it been since you've had a driver's license? <laughs> Never? You're my guy. Let's go. Like my, my model's perfect. Yeah. No, I love it. I think we'll, we'll use that to kind of segue into this because uh, the, the, trade, the team that we're looking at has some of the players we've talked about, of course, being a wide receiver show. Every team has wide receivers. Some of the guys we brought up will be on this. Uh, I do want to bring this up and kind of get into it. So uh, this week's Find Me a Trade comes from a friend of mine, actually, someone who was a commissioner of mine about 10 years ago. Uh, his name's Leon Fornelli, at Leon Fornelli on, on Twitter. Uh, he, gives, he gave us a, a league that he's in uh, on sleeper. It is a 12-team, half PPR super flex, no tight end premium, six-point passing TDs, negative three for interceptions. So it kind of you know really punishes those risky guys. Uh, 26-man rosters where you start 12. So again, maybe a little shallower than some of the leagues people are in. Uh, but it's, you know, you, well, I'll pull it up here on the screen so we can kind of run through it too, because I think that is worth doing. Uh, we, we like to make sure that your league matters, as we always say, or that your your team matters. And I think that this is a prime case for that. Um, hang on one second. Is this the one? Yes. All right. So here's the here's the team that we're looking at. Let me get rid of that real quick. All right. So he's got Dak Prescott, DeAndre Swift, James Robinson, Deontay Johnson. We were just talking about C.D. Lamb, Darren Waller flex. He's got Ronald Jones, Jamar Chase, Darnell Mooney. Superflex, Derek Carr, kicker, Dan Carlson, I think it is. I don't do much kickers. And then new England is the defense bench. He's got Justin Fields as his third QB, not too bad running back. She got Gio Bernard, Tevin Coleman, poor Cadre Allison, who just got cut today, Eno Benjamin JJ Taylor Re- uh, receivers from here. We've got Brian Edwards, Quez Watkins, Amon Ross Ra- St. Brown, and then tight ends, Dan Arnold, Adam Troutman, Jacob Harris, and then Miami is his backup defense. On IR, your boy Rashad Bateman, and then obviously Cam Akers, who was hurt. And then no draft picks in 2022, and only a fourth in 2023. So this is one of those teams that when you look at it, it's like, well, okay, you, you better be contending if you don't have any picks. I would say it's contending, or it could be. Uh, Leon actually kind of gave us a write-up about this, and, and I think it's worth sharing that, because I, we like to make sure we get the the opinion of the person who's the most, uh, you know, most familiar with the team. So he says it's a dynasty superflex empire league. This is the first year he traded away all of his picks pretty much over the next four years. Like he doesn't really have much at all, uh, which may make this harder to find a trade. I agree that did make it tricky because you don't have a lot of, you know, cash assets you could throw into things, but preseason, I'll move a lot of picks for pieces. And then after players start hitting, I'll move them again. It's worked well for him in the past. So, and he says this, so basically I'm looking to add wide receiver running back pieces. I'm trying to build for next year and beyond. Um, I'll kind of start with my trade. I feel like it was, I, I wouldn't say it was the weakest, but it was probably the, the easiest or, or littlest trade in a sense. Mine was going to, I'm saying you trade with whiplash 207, you send Swift and Brian Edwards, who's got a lot of hype around his name right now. And you get back Chubb and Quintes Cephas. And the logic here is you don't really have a, a true running back one on this team. I mean, DeAndre Swift is your best running back because Cam Akers went down. And I'm looking at this like, man, maybe you trade Acres, right? Maybe there's some value there. You can find the right team. I couldn't really find anything that made sense for someone to take on Acres. It felt like everybody, being that this is the first year, everybody's kind of equal in that contender rebuild kind of mode. So I'm like, well, at least with this, the guy that's getting Swift and Edwards is at least building a little bit of youth and has enough kind of depth to get rid of that. And I think Chubb is someone that you could build a, a pretty good contending team around. Um, again, it's not the biggest trade. It's not the craziest I've ever seen. But I guess Zach, since you're the you're the guest on this one, what do you think about that? Is that a trade you'd you'd agree with, or am I way off?
2: I I, I like it. I would I would be hesitant to to part with uh, Brian Edwards and and get back Cephas because I uh, was one of the evaluations a couple of years ago on on Brian Edwards where like I really thought that he was. Because he was going in the in the beginning of the second round in rookie drafts. Man, he the talent is there. Uh, yeah. He got banged up. I, I do love getting Chubb, and I understand you're going to have to give up something to get him. I prefer Chubb to Swift, uh, even though normally I am a pass-catching running back. I, I vehemently do not trust uh, Detroit.
1: Well, again, this is half PPR, right? So I want to make sure that we focus on that because right. there is a PPR aspect, but it's not full. That does change some things.
2: Yep. But, but even like, yeah, e- even, even in, so this was, this was going back to, but even in standard in, in no, no points per reception last year, Derrick Henry had the third greatest season in, in NFL history, but at the running back position, and he finished behind Alvin Kamara in, in standard.
1: Anchors, like, right? yeah, yeah yeah
2: like like receptions matter so much and and the yardage gained. but yes i like I, I agree with you that getting chubb is going to be a a piece you can build around the problem with that is you're going to have to win in short order especially if you don't have uh draft picks for the next you know four years you I, man this is this, this is a tough one i I I guess – I do like that trade. I'm really hesitant to give up uh, Edwards – in hopes that Quinten Cephas is
1: going to be well, something. So here's where I'm at with this. And, and it's pretty much a two for one, right? Like this right. is one of those trades that I'm looking at. Like I'm, I'm packaging these two players together to consolidate and to get a better player. If you're one of those people that says, I only ever take a trade if I get the best player in the deal. Chubb is the best player in the deal. I'll take the trade, right? There are people out there that are very much on that mindset. I am not. I look at the value of the whole side. I think Cephas has a lot of upside and is a, a great bench flyer, like a Darnell Mooney or a you know, Gabe Davis. One of those guys that like, could hit the hype train at some point this year and see their value go up or spike for a week or two. I don't think that he and Edwards are really that far apart. I I agree with you on talent. I think talent Edwards is by far and away better than Cephas. I don't think that's even a question, but I just feel like the hype train on Edwards is kind of out of control right now. And maybe it's a way to capitalize on that a little bit. Uh, Being that it's, I don't think you need to make this trade today. I want to clarify that. I'm not saying you need to do this trade right now, I just think if, if with losing acres, I would look at this and say, I'd want a better running back. Maybe this is how I can get there as I can give up a bench player. Cause Edwards is not in your starting lineup for the most part. I don't think that he, you know, with, with the way your running backs and receivers are, you don't need him in your flex at this point. Uh, he could be somebody valuable, right? You could, you know, Ronald Jones could be someone you don't want to play and you put Edwards in there. If he's if I get it, but I just would rather have Chubb and then give me the flyer on Cephas. That was kind of my thought. So I guess, Scott, what were your thoughts on that? And then do you want to get into yours? Um yeah I totally
3: I, I get what you're saying um and you know Chubb it's not the done.
1: flashiest trade right like it's not yeah, like a big no, blockbuster
3: but, but I think it could get
1: done that's the point.
3: Honestly th- those are the ones that win leagues like it yep. just those you know it's not about being flashy it's about getting the production um and Cephas is kind of like in my mind, like, uh, a post hype sleeper as the redraft kids say, because like last year he was just like climbing up, like, especially in the off season, it was like, Oh, they have no one. It's going to be Cephas, you know? And it's like, and then they start signing all these vets and then they, they draft, uh, one of the many St. Browns. And then, you know, all that, all that stuff happened. So, um, I, I just feel like there's definitely opportunity for him. He, he's like, a Physic, I'm not saying physically, but he's like a Heinz Ward type player where he's he's going to go in, he's going to block in the run game, he's going to be on the field, he's going to get opportunities. Like He's a hard worker. He's one of those type of guys uh, watching him play at Wisconsin for a few years. So um, I definitely see him on the field. Um, for mine, I think I really got to – I have to preface this with, like, this, is, this is my experience being in many, many leagues and being a super flex snob and seeing – I did a study – Across all my leagues over the last couple of years, at all the champions, all the teams that won in all my leagues. And th- in my opinion, you don't have the quarterbacks to compete this year. I'm sorry, you can win a a championship in Superflex with two top quarterbacks and nothing else. I've seen it happen. Two years ago, a guy had Mahomes and Watson and literally nothing else, and he won. Um, I seeing it the other way is very rare. So losing acres to me is like the death blow of having that even opportunity that with all the best luck and not having injuries and other guys getting injured and you just, you know, finding a way to outscore your opponent every week. Like it's anything is possible in this game. Right. But, uh, to me, this is not a, a roster that's competing right now and especially not being tight end premium, uh, I would move Darren Waller immediately. Um, I'm not a Waller guy, so that makes it real easy. Uh, I also, I want to say, and I, have said this before that I don't, my, my intention is always like my stuff and Rocky always yells at me, like, get your stuff on the show sheet. Like I have it, but I don't want to look because I don't want my, I don't want to be influenced by what you guys put Cause you know, obviously trust and respect you guys. And like, it, it influences me. Right. Aww. So I try not to look at it. And so it's funny that uh, I actually put one in. I had to remove it because I basically had exactly
1: what Rocky put. <laughs> well, and so. we'll get into that one. I think his is the best. This is what I was kind of saying. Yeah. Like he, it, while he's not here, he did a t- terrific job helping us out. But uh, before we move on the trade Waller for who, I don't know if you said it specifically. Okay. So I, I
3: looked and there were plenty of opportunities for, to trade a, a stud tight end, even a non-premium. But there's a team, Troy Delivers, who has like 15 starting quarterbacks. And he, he must have went to the uh, John Hogue school of uh, right, Tbx. And uh, and so mm. I, I would say swing for the fences. Remember, this is an empire league, right? So it's not just a, uh, you know, like, hey, I'm going to try to win every, you know, three years. Like, no, you're this is an empire. Like, let's go get it. So uh, I would say trade Waller for Watson. And I think that is a move that could uh, significantly backfire. <laughs> uh, and it's also a move that can win you the league. No risk. It, if, no if, biscuit. If You plug in Watson next year because you're not competing. You don't care about this year. It doesn't matter what happens to him this year. Um, so that's, that's a move that I would make in an empire league to go get it done.
1: Well, I think if your mentality is to, 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 again, it's year one, right? We just got through a lot of this. He traded a lot of his draft picks. So he's trying to go all in. But I think you're right. If you look at the league and you look at the teams and you just kind of think to yourself, man, I don't know if I got as good of a chance as I thought. I want to blow it up. I think that's a terrific option because, again, when you're rebuilding, that's the way you do it, right? Zach, what do you think about that? Is that something you would do? Is that something you think would work? I like it. Before you make
2: that trade, though, go try to get your first back. Oh yes, that's a great point. Because then you make that trade, and all of a sudden you tank, and it and it exponentially increases the value of that trade because now it's it's okay for you to tank because otherwise you make that trade and that like I like the gamble of getting Watson. I think tight ends tend to be overvalued in non-premium. I think they're overvalued in premium, but don't tell outhouse. Like, but. It, it it like makes the it makes like the four guys or five guys who get a hundred targets more valuable, and everybody else is just this still cragamation yeah. of correct. Yeah, and <laughs> and and so that that's what I would do. Like I I really like that idea of gambling on because if Watson is not in prison, if he is not suspended indefinitely, then he is a top five quarterback, probably top three quarterback. And and so to do that, I, I think is fantastic. But I would I would covertly try to get my first back before I did it, so I could I could double the, the effect of tanking. Good call.
1: No, that's a good point too. And I think that kind of hit on this just to make sure that we're clear. Tanking is fine, right? Productive struggle and all that is fine. But don't do it if you don't have your first, right? Because then <sighs> you're just helping another team, right? right? Like what are you what are you tanking for? Usually the reason you tank is for Tua, right? You don't tank for your third round pick in three years. You know what I mean? Like there's no benefit to that. You might as well try to scrape together something and get some wins because who cares, right? But like if you're tanking to yeah. get the first pick, that's the reason you tank. That's the reason you kind of blow it up. So that's a great point. But un- unless you're Russ and you're
2: in a league with me and, and you give me your first and then as a friend, you're just like, you know what? I will end up at the bottom so you can draft Trevor Lawrence and then regret <laughs> it for the
1: rest of the year. <laughs> Well, that's one way to do it. But let's get into <laughs> no Rocky's real quick, awesome. because it is very similar. And I think it, it kind of plays into what you're talking about really well. Uh, Rocky's trade was to to Whiplash 207, who I was talking about. He was saying to send Waller and get back Hawkinson in a first. And I think this is actually the kind of move I would make, because I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head there, Scott. Waller is probably one of the pieces I get rid of first on this team. I couldn't quite find the right trade. And I guess I was even looking at Whiplash's team for a while and I didn't even see this. This makes so much sense to me because I think that there is some not being tight end premium. People ultimately say, if I don't have one of the top four, who cares? Right. Well, Hawkinson isn't in that top four today, but he could be in a few months and you get a first. I'm not sure this trade goes through. And that's a that's a different question. If I have Hawkinson in the first, I'm not giving that up for Waller myself. But some teams out there might not like the Detroit offense. They it might be they might think of it as oh it's it's my first it's you know one ten and maybe it's a late I don't know it's not really giving up that much. I mean again it's it is a super flex so I think that one ten is going to be way more valuable than in a one QB league right it always is. So I think this is the kind of trade that I would send kind of just exactly that send it over and see what feedback you get right. And Rocky put in here and I think it's worth reading some of this just so we can put Rocky's uh, aura on the show. Uh, he goes. His team is a lot of nice pieces, but still looks a year away from true contention. So let's start getting some picks back now. And I completely agree with that logic. Uh, it's not getting the wide receiver or running back he mentioned, but Waller sticks out on his youth-oriented team. I agree. We've hit on that. Uh, you get back years with with Hawk, and then I think their production will be closer than people think. And I agree with that too, right? You get you you get youth. And you get similar production. Rocky's always about production value. And I agree entirely. Let's get some points on the board, right? So that way you're not really tanking. You're just trading a different asset for one that's going to produce the same and be longer term value. Uh, And he said, I'd start with this, but if necessary, I'd throw in Rojo or some other lesser piece if he needs another piece on top of Hawk. And I completely agree. This is the kind of trade. If you had a third, it would be great to throw this in, you know, but you don't. Uh, and, a, and a 2024 third isn't going to move the needle for many people. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you could throw in like even a Darnell Mooney or something, I might do this. Right. Like I am i don't mind Mooney, but I just don't know if that offense is going to carry it. I do know that Leon is a Chicago fan. He lives in Chicago. So maybe there's some some bias there to getting fields and Mooney. And, you know, this team is locked and loaded in that regard. I don't oh, mind no. that play the game. Oh, like, no. I know, Scott, I know you're the same. You get it. But you get what I mean. If that's fun for you, go for it, right? Like, that's ultimately what we always yes, say. So absolutely. I think there are some fine options uh, to talk about. But I guess, Zach, what do you think about that Waller for Hawkinson first?
2: I, I like If you can get that done, I like that. And I like the fact that you get Waller back. Waller has a great year this year. And then you can flip him again because people overvalue tight ends. And and you might be able to get two firsts out of this, you know, or a first and a piece for Hawkinson next, you know, next year.
1: Or you trade Hawkinson for a Troutman in a first or, you know, you I, do the same kind of thing. You just keep grinding out the first from it. Yeah.
2: I, I'm learning. Like I, I, I've, I've listened to Russ long enough. I've listened to, to Shane Manila long enough. I've listened to people who tra- listen to you guys and, and I, I'm starting to cascade trades. I'm starting to think yes. about trades as instead of their own encapsulated thing as one step in a process. And so that's, that's what I would be looking at with, with this trade is, you get Hawkinson, but tight ends are inherently overvalued. You can flip Hawkinson. And all of a sudden now you have started to rebuild a team that doesn't necessarily re- need a, a, a rebuild and overhaul, but, but you started to reload anyway.
1: Well, and, and I think again, just to kind of make this obvious timing is everything, right? Cascading trades almost always relies on some timing and, and future thought and kind of putting some thought into, well, if I trade this now, I'll hold on and trade a little later. And I think, um, A lot of Dynasty players do this, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think it's something that you can use as a way to level up and to kind of move into maybe that next tier of your own Dynasty junkiness, right? And say, all right, well, if I start looking at this, what can I trade now to get something that's similar, but gives me more pieces, more ascending assets, right? And that's something that I know when I first started playing Dynasty, I was looking at that trade alone and and in a vacuum. And, you know, I was one of those people that went on Twitter and and posted a, a poll and then tagged every analyst I liked. And was like, hey, give me your thoughts on this trade. And, and I, I don't hate when people do that to me. I just think that's what I did. And then after a while, I realized, well, that's not quite, I mean, yeah, that works. But now I've got these pieces that I don't really like. Yeah, they're worth more, but they're descending assets. Like, do I really want those players? Now they're going down in value. I got taken. You know what I mean? And I think that that's something I learned. And I don't think it's the right way. And I'm not saying I, I do it better than anyone. But I think that's something that when you trade more, you learn that, right? You learn, you kind of start yeah. to see the chessboard for what it is. And you start to say, hey, wait a minute. If I make this move, then that puts me in a position to make this other move. And if by week three, you're 0-3, terrific. Now's the time to go target your first, right? Right. Now you know you're not contending. You know you're 100% out of it. Maybe you trade Hawk for your first straight up, right? Maybe you pull something like that, and you're like, I don't care about tight end anyway. I got Troutman. He's injured. Perfect. I'll take – I got Akers. He's injured. Give me all the – give me Dobbins, right? You just start loading up with the injured players, you know, when you, when I think there are some teams I have now that I'm making that decision where I'm looking ahead and I'm, I'm being honest with myself and saying, uh, this team ain't it, man, like this, this is not going to go anywhere. So give me all your crap. You know what I mean? But if you, if, and again, as a new league that just started up and you traded away all your picks to kind of go all in, maybe it didn't go the way you thought, or, you know, that acres injury really tr- changed this team. I'll be honest, like that, yeah. that can wreck a lot of teams that were contenders that are now not, uh, maybe you thought, Hey, I've got a lot of running back depth. Now I don't have any and it there are going to be more injuries as much as we don't want to admit that. So it's almost like, well, let's just take an honest look. Let's see what we want to do at the same time. I don't know the other players in this league. Maybe Leon does. Maybe he's like, no, I'm the best one in this. They're all lucky and I'm going to be fine. Right. <laughs> the context to come in handy. So it, it, again, it's just, it depends on how you want to play it, but I think those are all pretty good options. And uh, I'll make sure Leon hears this and get some options and tags us in a, in a poll or two when he starts to make some trades, because I want to see how this comes out. Um, but I guess that's, that's pretty much where we're going to leave it. I think we gave a couple of good ideas there, at least some good bones of a trade that kind of give you some ideas. So hopefully that works for you, Leon, and hopefully not having any picks doesn't backfire. But, um, before we go, I guess the one last thing we want to mention, of course, is thanks so much for coming on, Zach. Really appreciated your time and your thoughts. I know you, you've got a great way about you. You're not a dummy. Come on. Who are you talking <laughs> to here? You're, you're pretty smart at this. You've done this before, but why don't you tell the folks where they can find you and kind of what you're up to as we head into the season here.
2: I, I am a dummy i am a dummy you can, <laughs> I, you can find me on the dynasty dummies podcast with with j mike i am at tacit assassin 13 on twitter and if you're looking for the dynasty dummies podcast search dfpn at work on any of your podcasts <laughs> the best please. at work out there it's the only at work in town so it Great. has to be the best one but but really it's it's not about me it's about all of the other guys in in the at work it's well, Russ, who's the the big boss? He, he's he's uh, you know running the DAP network. He's he's behind the scenes doing great things with the, the DFPN network. We got Matt. We got Joe. Who, if uh, if you see anything that I tweet out and you think it's remotely funny or intelligent, it was probably Joe. He's at FF Trader Joe. Uh, we we got Matt Foreman. We got J Mike. Uh, Kevin Sal and Steve over at the uh, Fantasy Football Funhouse, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Kyle Breck at Kyle Breck, who rarely tweets anymore. But when he does, you should pay attention because he is one of the smartest Dynasty players I know. Don't he? Don't listen, Kyle. Cut, cut this. <laughs> don't let Kyle hear that. But he really he is sharp. So it's uh, it's it's not about me. It's about everybody else at the network. Everybody else that that makes me uh, look even half as good as as I appear, so
1: no, it is by far the best at work I've ever heard of I mean it, <laughs> there is no other at work out there that is nearly as good as the d f p n at work that is you're exactly right that is terrific uh so obviously i'm I'm at andrew hall FF. you can find me on Twitter writing for fantasy pros and pro Football network uh Scott, you got anything you're working on these days?
3: oh man, yeah, I've got my uh new coordinator uh series of articles and uh i'll let you know where to find those but hey i appreciate all the dms from everyone even you guys in the one quarterback leagues yes i'm (laughs) i will not shame you i will help you as much as i can i promise i'm still in some i just like to talk trash because it's fun uh but yeah keep those dms coming happy to help with that stuff shout out to uh all of our commenters tonight, everybody that joined in, the sexiest voice alive, J. Mike, the sexiest man alive, Shane Manila, uh, our boy <laughs> Kyle Senra, and the man, the myth, the legend, Bob Gilchrist. That's right. You guys are awesome. And where can they find you on Twitter, Scott? You can find me at Scott Sidlow. It's a real, real difficult one. Um, you know, real creative. So, But hey, listen, I mostly just retweet smart guys like uh like zach and
1: and others so that's that's kind of the plan there no that's a good plan so yeah make sure you follow uh, rocky obviously at dynasty ff Addict, rocky petrella he's got some great insights and he's on the trade addicts podcast he does dynasty game night a bunch of other stuff he's a busy man uh, also follow us at dynasty junkies if you're not already we love to have those dms send us questions tag us in trade polls you know, we're all here to help each other out. That's what we always try to say. Yeah, we're junkies, but we're all living in this halfway house together. You know what I mean? Like, let's just, we're going to help each other get back on our feet. We're going to do better. We're going to trade ourselves out of this, this wormhole we found ourselves in. Also, make sure you subscribe and follow us on any of your favorite uh, podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all those things. Uh, follow the DAP Network too, the Dynasty Attic Podcast Network. It's DAP underscore network on Twitter. Uh, that's where we go live with these shows we've got a bunch of people in the family over here on our side it's not a network but we're trying uh, it is a true network in that regard but we have uh, fantasy timeline trade addicts and uh, get real with case case and then of course just give us some ratings give us some reviews i know that there are some people that like to send dms for that and don't want to make it public perfectly fine to do that too uh, if you got something you want to see in the show or you got a, a roster you want to submit uh, we actually have a form you can fill out if you want to do that just let us know Uh, You can send any of us a DM or, or, or tag us in something. We'll be glad to help you out. But for the most part, we're here to help each other. And that's what this whole thing has been about. So, again, thanks for coming on, Zach. Really appreciate it. And, Scott, I'll let you take it away.
3: For the man, Andrew Hall, for our favorite guest of the night, Zach Reed, and for myself, Scott Sidlow, junkies out. Yeah.